SF590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Going to talk to Charles Davis in a couple of minutes here. Um, Maple Leafs, though, taking care of a cup contender yeah. in the Dallas Stars yesterday. Bottled them up in that first period. Mm-hmm. Joseph Wall had to save their bacon a little bit in the second. Well, then it was like, uh, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to understand how a jarring or canning process works, but I feel like they bottled them up and then you had to like, let, let it breathe a little. They had to open it up and then they squeezed it back down in the third period. That's what I think happened there. The, the spring snakes did not escape the jar though. Okay. I don't even know what that is, but great metaphor. Haven't you? Oh, oh, now I understand. I think I spring snakes. I am so petrified of animals that you said spring snakes. And I'm like, I'm like, is there one in here? Why did you say snake? And now I'm looking around terrified, but yes, the, like the whoosh, it comes out of the can. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The big, they kept the whoosh in the can. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) A bottle of a team that took the eventual Stanley cup champions to six games in the West. Conference Finals season ago. Didn't have Jake Ottinger in net, but Scott Wedgwood was doing a, a, a more than serviceable job. Yeah, it just... I. Uh, sorry, it just occurred to me last night that I was I was comparing the Stars team in text with a buddy to the Hurricanes, and then we got into it of who we liked more, and we were arguing about two teams that lost in the conference final of how uh, good they both were. So, yeah, yeah, they're both quite good, yeah. okay? How that's about what, that? That's what I thought. That was just, I've seen the Canes a lot. Very, they feel kind of comparable, just a machine to me. I mean, is it not a little curious that they didn't start Ottinger in that game? Like They that... never started Ottinger against the Leafs. He didn't start when he was here last year. It's, it's odd. I don't know. Well... And especially, like, not just against the Leafs, but in a narrative game against a guy that he... Scared of the smoke? Well, this... They're not scared of the smoke, but it was... It was, was going to be a nice little well, narrative surrounding that game. Joseph Wall, Jake Ottinger, a couple of guys that went through the U.S. developmental yep. system, played in Massachusetts in NCAA hockey against Someone each other. Someone should have told Gary Bettman. He would have made them start Jake Ottinger. It would have been like an American hockey tale to talk about. Yeah. Let's pump this up. I know. And not that, you know, you need more reason to watch a hockey game in this market. Yeah, right? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me there is one. I, why why don't we get Jake Ottinger? I mean, worked out well, so no complaining for me. It did. Leafs off to, okay, before yesterday's game, it was a pretty good start. After yesterday's game, it's like a good start. Mm-hmm. You win tomorrow. That's like, well, one, a great road trip, and, and two, like a pretty great start to the season. Yeah, I I think I think they've just taken care of their business, and the the most important part was kind of keeping their head above water in a time when they didn't totally have it early on in the year. I mean, the Matthews the hat tricks kind of saved their bacon on a on a couple of occasions. Wall's done it now, and this is what good teams do: is they just find a way to win games when they're not at their best, and then hopefully they can build and turn into it. Yeah, it's different. We still haven't seen the the drubbing, the Leafs pasting. No, game. no, no. But I, and I will say, I know the narrative around home ice advantage has changed, especially in the postseason, right? And like in the Leafs losing and all team, the home yeah. games. Yeah, I get it to the Panthers, but that's a different deal than a team in the regular season on a 10 day, five totally. city road trip playing game four of five, right? Down to five defensemen, no less. Maybe, Maybe you got to give Ryan Reeves a little credit for this. I mean, I, that's probably way too much reading for another it. goal against. He fun. was, but if if you're gonna if you if you're gonna believe in the Ryan Reeves heebie-jeebie and not just what he does to the other team, but him being a leader and galvanizing the boys, I think I don't know. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he had a a hand in keeping the right kind of feel and mojo on the roadie. Yeah, it's it's not a game that they dominated the full sixty minutes against against uh, again the first twenty minutes of that game was 
pretty, pretty impressive uh, against a team that's totally. very capable of putting the puck in the back of the net. Second period, like, could have easily gotten away from them, but like they did against the Washington Capitals, their superior talent taking advantage. And, you know, they cracked through mm-hmm. a Stars penalty kill that was unblemished going yeah. into that game and helped that it was a four-minute uh, man advantage, but they scored in the opening two minutes of that thing. Like, yeah. that's that's what good teams do at not their best in difficult circumstances, picking up the two points against a good team. Yeah, and if you're able to if you're able to build on this and find the best version of yourself, this is how great seasons are are formed. This is what it looks like when a when a team gets off and running to the start they want. So yeah, not their best yet, but that that should only bode well for the future. Maybe the Buffalo Bills not at their best yet. Uh, you would hope so if you're if you're a Bills fan that the best is yet to come. But uh, a victory on a Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that drops to three and four. Uh, now on the season, Josh Allen, 31 of 40 for 324 yards, a couple of touchdowns and a pick, a passer rating of 106.7. The Bills improved to five and three. Let's talk to Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS and NFL Network. How's it going, Charles? It's going great. I hope the same for both of you. It is. It's going well. Doing well. And and it's it's better for Bills fans now um, because yeah. the nightmare <laughs> scenario was losing to the Buccaneers after losing to a Patriots team that we were talking about being one of the worst in all of the NFL. It was yeah. it was not like overly impressive. Uh, and, 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 you know, I guess the, the Buccaneers were bailed out by a late uh, face mask penalty that that extended to drive. Um, but, yeah, they, yeah. They, they pick up the victory, and Josh Allen, again, throws for 324 yards. The defensive issues with this Bills team over the last couple of weeks, you can understand, considering the injuries. It's the offense that I think has been most curious to me. Where are you on this Bills offense and its ability to, to return to its, its past glory? Yeah, I think that last night gave us a glimpse of, of where they hope that they're headed, especially the first few drives, because, as they threw it, the ball was spread around to, to multiple people. Gabe Davis, welcome back. <laughs> Good to see see the ball going in his direction and him making plays early. Khalil Shakir is, is, is starting to become part of the offense and catch the football. Um, Dalton Kincaid announced himself in the Patriots game. Everyone knew who he was, of course, because he was a first-round pick. But, boy, was he really a big part of the offense and continues to be. And I think that will only get better. For me, it always comes back to the same things I've discussed with with friends of mine with the Bills for the last few years. Running the football, you talk about it, you say it's part of what you do, but ultimately you just don't really want to do it. I I think to me that's really where the Bills are. I would debate anyone there, (laughs) happily happy to do it in a very friendly manner. (laughs) I, I have actually said to someone in the organization, if you played in a game, and the defense presented itself where you could call 10 straight running plays and be reasonably assured that those were good calls. Could you do it? <laughs> and the person just looked at me and said, of course. And I said, no, you couldn't. And then they looked at me and went, well, it's hard not to throw it out there to shut to, to Stephon and throw it out there. To, and I said, see, there we go. So I'm not saying that they have to become a wishbone team and run the ball 50 times. But I do think that they would be better served help their quarterback a little bit more, give their offensive line what I call a little bit of sugar because all offensive linemen want to fire out and run block. Let them have that a little bit, and I just think it would help their offense overall. But that's just me. I just understand how irresistible it is to have the ball in Josh Allen's hands and have the chance to pick out Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and all those guys and throw the football. I get it. 
Yeah, I know. I know they want to protect him, but it almost feels like if you could go to that conversation and say, "What if Josh Allen could run the ball ten mm-hmm. times?" They'd say, "Hmm, now we're on to something. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll think about this here." You're right because he's just—he is such a good playmaker. You do want to give him opportunities there. Uh, the game you're calling this weekend, uh, a dandy Steelers and Jags. Uh, you know, I don't know that everyone expected it to be this way, but two teams that have a big time yeah. shot at their their division here. Uh, what are you expecting to see in that one, and then the uh, the repercussions uh, from the division standing? perspective in the aftermath yeah just one one last thing on buffalo yeah please those thursday those, those thursday night games yeah that players can't stand people talk about being you know part of the problem with the league sometimes when you're when you talk about injuries and we keep saying we want to protect players et cetera, et cetera. going into it everyone hates it but if you win on thursday night and get a, a mini open week and extra days off as buffalo's getting now with josh allen and his shoulder and all those things then it's like, oh, okay, this Thursday is a pretty good deal. Yeah. Because think about where Buffalo is right now with Josh in the shoulder. And by the way, his toughness never to be questioned because he's playing hurt. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And he will never tell you how hurt he is. He's like, yeah, well, we'll get a little rest. We'll be fine. I will keep going. He threw it 40 times last night on a bad shoulder. Yeah. But but the, the front end, you hate going into it. The back end, if you win, oh, this is a pretty good deal, and that's good for Buffalo. Now, Jacksonville-Pittsburgh. Those two have two of the best records in the league since, what, week 14, 15 of last season? They're both like 10-2, and right around that range. And when you think about it with Jacksonville, you kind of go, yeah, 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 I kind of get it. You tell someone Pittsburgh's 10-2 and since that time, you get arched eyebrows. They're like, why? Pittsburgh? Because it doesn't feel right because they don't score. (laughs) They're minus 24 in in point differential this season. They, the games that they've won, they've won close. The games that they've lost, they've lost by 20, 20 and 23 points. <laughs> yeah. Okay? So it's a very weird group that you're looking at. I talked with someone yesterday, and I said, you are a team where the numbers lie. Because the numbers for Pittsburgh are pretty dismal when you, when you look at them in total. They do not say four and two. The numbers that they have that they present say two and four if you're fortunate. That's how weird a season that they're having, but they are opportunistic on defense. They take the ball away at the right times. If you told someone last week that you're playing the Rams and you would keep TJ Watt from any sacks, any real pressures, any of those things, you'd say, well, Pittsburgh's in a little bit of trouble then, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he said, yeah, cool. All that happened, I'll just pick off a pass and return it and set up my offense for a touchdown. They find ways. It's a very strange group in terms of numbers, but they're tough, they're resilient, all the words you want with it. And the offense did play a little bit better last week. Mm-hmm. Are they a juggernaut? No, (laughs) but they played better. (laughs) I just, I still, listen, I'm a so-called analyst. I don't know anyone who can sit here and tell any of us. Describe why Pittsburgh is really good in the fourth quarter on offense and the other three quarters we can't explain. I don't know anyone who has a real answer because I certainly don't. And if there is one, please point me in the right direction because I'd like to know what it is. It's not Matt Canada. He yeah. doesn't have the answer. Well, I don't know. Maybe he's holding the, he's holding back the good plays until the end of the game. <laughs> like I don't I don't know if you got a chance to, to to talk to Matt, but he's obviously under fire there in Pittsburgh, despite the fact yeah. that they're four and two. Yeah, I, I mean that 
that is an offense that looked pretty good in the preseason, and maybe that's, you know, it's stupid to be – we shouldn't have ever put any stock in, in how that offense looked before the season started. But there's there's pieces there, right, Charles? Like how yeah, much of, 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 of how uneven they've looked offensively do you, do, do you think comes down to play calling? I don't know. <laughs> Again, I'm still I'm flabber, I'm flabbergasted. I think that they are a team that professes to want to run the football with Najee Harris and now Jalen Warren, but they come out and they throw it. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> because the fourth quarter play calls are good. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because they're working. I mean, it's like anything else. What's good? The things that work. What's bad? The things that don't work. So you have that. But I think what I'm, where I'm really puzzled is when they do run the football, the running backs are getting met at the line of scrimmage and behind the line way too often. And how much of that is an offensive line that's had shuffling guys in and out? James Daniels missed some games, right? You know, you had Dan Moore miss some games. Are they that good to begin with? That sort of a thing. But for whatever reason, fourth quarter, Kenny Pickett, blah, blah, blah. They play well. And getting Deontay Johnson back, although he was on the injury list yesterday, is a huge help. And I hope that that will get them kick-started earlier, get Pickett a few more easy completions early and get going. His numbers are glaring as well. When you look at his numbers, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, they're off the charts incredible in the fourth quarter. First quarter, they're off the charts below average. I don't understand it. It's the weirdest thing. I can't say it's all play calling. I just can't. There's just no way that Matt Canada is a different play caller first quarter, fourth quarter. This reminds me of Tim Tebow's Broncos. They floundered around, struggled. The defense kept them in it. And in the fourth quarter, Tebow somehow put it together and they played well and they won ball games. It's not sustainable, but for right now, it's working for Pittsburgh and they're going to try it again on Sunday. Yeah, it, uh, it certainly isn't sustainable, and I'll never hear uh, Tebow and the Broncos without hearing a Stokely down the sideline. It's just, uh, it's just burn, burn, burn uh, in in my in my brain. There, you know, we know the NFL's trade deadline is is Tuesday. Do you think anything that happens this weekend really changes a team's opinion or their strategy heading into this one way or another? I mean, there's been so much Kirk Cousins talk. If the Vikings yeah. lose, is that the death knell there? Do you think that anything that happens this weekend will change much one way or another heading heading into the? Deadline on Tuesday. Only if it's a Christian McCaffrey going somewhere. You know, you saw what yeah. he did with San Francisco last year, and they were good to begin with. But Do they you know, have any more of those hanging around, Charles? I feel like I'd like one about. of those. Yeah. yeah. Who? Who is right? <laughs> who is that person this year? You know, you mentioned Cousins. Somehow that feels like that went out the window on Monday night, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. They're only three and four <laughs> you know, now. They're, they're three and four. You know, and, and, and you look at your division, Detroit getting whacked the other day actually makes you think, hey, maybe they're not going to run away. And, you know, so so I don't I don't know that the Cousins thing is happening. I'm trying to say, who is that player out there? Like in baseball, it's always who's the hot pitcher that someone can get an ad. And then you got Jack Morris and you go down the stretch and you blow people away. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of thing that you're looking for. I don't know, is there, is there a McCaffrey out there that someone would have, would have available? I will tell you this. I don't know what the Chargers would be thinking. Would someone want to add a Khalil Mack to their mm-hmm. pass rush down the stretch? You see what I mean? Because yeah. he still has it. He For would sure. be that guy. It's like Von Miller making his move to the Rams. Okay? And you remember how well that worked out. Those sorts of moves. But I don't know who those players are this year because McCaffrey changed everything for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. 
and then their quarterback hurts his elbow in the NFC Championship game, and it's all for naught. Yeah. Yeah, and, and McCaffrey, luckily for the 49ers, was not uh, injured severely, played last week. He's going to play this week against the Bengals, but Brock Purdy probably not going to as he's in concussion protocol, which means Sam yeah. Darnold time in San Francisco, uh, a guy that they believed in so much that they they waved goodbye to, to Trey Lance. And I, I, Brock Purdy hasn't played his best two games consecutively. Yeah. I understand it. The narrative could get away from him, though, if Sam Darnold steps in to this this Kyle Shanahan offense and and does a re- reasonable facsimile. What do you expect out of Sam Darnold if in <laughs> fact he steps in behind center for for uh, the 49ers against the Bengals? Yeah, I expect him to play fairly well because most 49er quarterbacks under Kyle Shanahan play fairly well and better. I mean, for the most part, think about his time there. He actually made and I say this all the time and I and I'm I feel I'm pretty on I'm, I'm pretty firm ground. Even when they weren't winning a lot of games as the roster was being built or they had a ton of injuries, Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard were viable quarterbacks crazy. in San Francisco. Think about it. Nick Mullins actually set records for like the first five or seven games as a, as a player in the NFL. Now tell, now tell me where is Nick Mullins. Tell me where C.J. Beathard is. And I'm not saying that to take a shot at them. I'm just saying with Kyle Shanahan's offense, with his system, Play calling acumen. If you do what you're supposed to do reasonably, you can be viable and better in that offense and in, in, in how they do things. So I expect Sam Darnold to play fairly well for him. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. And what a game to what a game for him to step up for because this is a Bengals team that feels like they've got their footing again. And they feel like they're the Bengals again. I think that's gonna be a heck of a game on Sunday. Yeah, I can't wait. That is uh, that is going to be an interesting one. And yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I, I think I know how it's going to go. It's going to look uh, relatively similar to how it looked when Brock Purdy or any of those other guys have, have been in there. Uh, you know, the, you mentioned the Lions already. Obviously, they got punched in the mouth last week, losing 38 to six to the uh, to the Ravens. There, how important yeah. is it? You know, for any team, they want to bounce back after a loss. But for a team like the Lions, who are kind of new to being this team, how important is it for them, not just to have a win this week uh, on the Monday night or against the Raiders, but to do it in somewhat convincing fashion where they remind themselves and the rest of the league exactly who they are? Yeah, stated perfectly, I believe. Absolutely perfectly. They believe that they're one of the better teams in the league right now. Now they have to prove it, as you said, because the better teams are going to have clunkers. That's the way the league works. But do you get back on the beam and show again that you're that team? And last but not least, this is their first Monday night game at home since 2018. And I realize Sunday night has become the, is, is easily the new Monday night in the NFL. But Monday night football is still important because you're still usually the only game in town. And you get to tell, to tell the world who you are again. And for their fans to come out on Monday night for them, believing that they have a good team this year, and last week was a hiccup, Yeah, you're exactly right. This, this, this is a very important game for them. And I think that they're going to play really well on Monday night, I do. Yeah, because if they don't, yeah, you want to talk about narratives getting away from teams. Boy, yeah, that, that Lions team who, who feels like they're ready for prime time, but losing to this Raiders team, after the that would not be as they say that would not be good. No, that would not be good. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Uh, Charles, enjoy the weekend. Thanks so much for this. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Hey, uh, Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews. That's yeah. all I need to say, right? That's you, right. Pandering yeah. to me specifically. Love it, Charles. Uh, Austin Matthews. Yes. There you go. Yes. <laughs> well done. See you, man. 
In the name of King Clancy, Austin Matthews. <laughs> All right. See you, Charles. Uh, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS, NFL Network. I mean, I would follow that up with uh, William Nylander, but yeah. No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Narratives, um, yeah, they, okay. So Brock Purdy is is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. You you have a hate on for Brock Purdy for whatever reason. You hate his guts. No, I hate I hate I hate people born on third base, and that's kind of Brock Purdy. It is in his NFL career. But uh, Mister Irrelevant, born on third base because you okay the he situation. Got handed the car keys to a ready-made Super Bowl contender. And so said, Good luck. I mean, he could have screwed it up. Yeah, and he, he kind of did a couple of weeks ago. Threw a couple of picks. And then Twice. we haven't seen him since. Okay. Well, I'm just like, I'm allowed. Why Why you get so mad when I dislike somebody? Can I? No, do I have I'm, to, I'm not I'm, getting mad I'm that so, you dislike I'm somebody. I'm sorry. I did, I'm not Peter King. And I don't come on well, here and just it. state my love to Brock Purdy every day. Sorry. I mean, and I like for, Joey Votto too. There, does that make you feel any better? If, if, you, if you like being right. Yeah. You are rooting so hard for Sam Darnold to come out of the gates against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I am. And dominate. I love to be right. So, yeah, I'm cheering I'm cheering for that immensely. And then we also get to do – it's very fitting that he's starting this week because you know with Halloween being right around the corner, mm-hmm. we're going to get the, I'm seeing ghosts, bro. Mm. We're going to get that for sure. And yeah. it would be very fitting if he has a game where it doesn't look like he's seeing ghosts, where he's seeing open receivers running yeah. open because he's the quarterback for the 49ers, and that's what it's like. He uh, he has not been confirmed as the starter for Sunday, but yeah, you got to figure if Brock Purdy's in concussion protocol, it's Friday. Honestly, I wouldn't put it past Kyle Shanahan to like get Brock Purdy's family to sign a waiver just to prove how smart he is. If I'll win a game with a concussed quarterback, that's how good I am. <laughs> well, might have impacted his his decision making in play at the end of the game. Okay, I'll hear that. All right, time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Just want to apologize to our fans. Playing like shit right now, so it's tough to watch. Yeah, we gotta be better, like to a man. That's as simple as that. Um, that's the dialogue. Everyone knows. You know, it's easy to point fingers and whatnot. I mean, we gotta everyone just look in the in the mirror at this point and be a whole lot fucking better. Oh, the Ooh, swears, naughty boys in Alberta. Yeah, it's it's a tough time for hockey fans in the province of Alberta. Nikita Zadorov and Darnell Nurse letting them fly yesterday as both Alberta teams shut out on the same day for the first time since February of 2014. The Flames feel like they're off to a worse start. They're actually off to a better start than the Oilers. They're they're two five and one after yesterday's three mm-hmm. nothing loss to the Blues. Uh, and the Oilers, after their three-nothing loss to the Rangers, are now one, five, and one. These are a couple of teams with with different goals this season, expectations this season. But I think the Flames, after just barely missing out on the postseason a year ago, expected to be, if not in it, like competing for yes. a playoff spot in the Western Conference. And especially after the unshackling of, of the Daryl Sutter of it all, right? right? Like everybody can breathe that meanie deep sigh of relief that, that he's bring him back. He's not yelling in their ears bring at, him back. <laughs> after some par 60 minute performances. Well, it hasn't resulted in, in victories for that team. And this Oilers team after being the consensus pick, I think, by most prognosticators as far as the the Canadian team with the best shot of winning the Stanley Cup this season. Mm-hmm. Getting off to 
the starting game one of the season against the Canucks like they did, losing back-to-back games to the Canucks to start the season in the manner that they did, losing the best player on mm-hmm. earth for a couple of games in the manner that they have, and then getting some of the goaltending performance. Goaltending was not the issue yesterday. They got outshot by a ton by the Rangers. Mm-hmm. But And I know we're, we're talking single-digit games into the season. Mm. I, it's we're almost close, an eighth of the way in. Yeah, it's as close to panic time as I, I can imagine either team expected to be in the month of October. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the conversations we'd be having about a Leaf team if they had one win at this point in the season? It would be full-blown panic. I mean, this would be wrong to do, but it would be blow it up. Something's rotten with the core. You absolutely have to move on. It is remarkable how bad a start they have got off to there. I was looking at some numbers trying to, okay, what's what's exactly happening? Because, you know, Mm -hmm. with the Leafs, despite the great start they've got off to, nobody other than the guys who are supposed to score is scoring. Here's my favorite stat for the Oilers. Team leader in plus minus right now. Okay, tied with Leon Dreisaitl, but that's less fun to say, is Cody Cece. At even. That's the team leader in plus minus. Yeah. Dreisaitl and him are even. Everybody else is dash all the way down to Kane and Bouchard at dash eight already on the season. And plus minus ain't a perfect stat, but when you don't have a single guy in your team in plus figures, it's pretty telling of, of how things have gone there. And I don't I don't think anybody in Edmonton needs to do this, but the clock is ticking, okay? Connor McDavid, you know, his agent is the president there now, so I don't think anyone expects him to be leaving, and I'm sure that deal will take care of itself. Leon Dreisaitl, I don't think he wants to leave Edmonton, but that's a much more difficult conversation. You're going to have to give that guy a $5 million raise on what he's been making. The idea of the most team-friendly contract, I know now it's Jack Hughes, but Dreisaitl's been that guy in the NHL for the entirety of this. And, you know, if you don't take advantage this year and – We always do the thing with U.S. Thanksgiving. That's not a myth. That's a real thing. If you're not in a playoff spot by then, Mm -hmm. it is really, really difficult to climb your way out of it. If any team can do it, it's with McDavid and Dreisaitl. But, man, it is is getting late early in Edmonton. And the problem is also is – there's no, there's no fix. It's much like the Leafs. There's the core. It is what yeah. it is. You can swing some pieces around and, all right, it's Noah Gregor instead of Sam Lafferty. Is that fixing anything? No. Well, and this goes to what we talked about in those early season, like kind of wobbly performances by the Leafs, but two-point victories, right? Is that, okay, it wasn't uh, Picasso, no. but you picked up the two points, and eventually that's, you know, you you expect to play better, mm-hmm. a solid 200-foot game, and, and look closer to the, the Leafs team that we expected you to look. Mm-hmm. Um, the Oilers had those wobbly starts against the Canucks early on. They couldn't get goal. T- like, they did not nope. pick up the two points. There was a, a, there were uh, there's a faction of fans in, in Edmonton who were pointing to the advanced stats around this team and the mm-hmm. expected goals for percentage and how that was you know, indicative of a team that was playing much better than the record indicated. Okay, but they didn't pick up points. Yeah. And that wasn't going to continue for 82 games. And now you're starting to see the slippage in play entirely. Yep. And you've got one win. You're the only one-win team in the NHL. There's one team with zero wins, <laughs> yeah. and that's the San Jose Sharks, and they may not win a game this season. <laughs> but honestly, they're getting they're getting orange slices and pats on the butt after every game they lose. Great job, boys. Yes. Solid, solid performance by the Sharks, who have a single point. Um, How dare they? Only two points back of the Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> though, with their three points. <laughs> one win, one overtime loss in, in seven games this season. It's It's remarkable.
like you said, there's no quick fix there. No, it's they have a baked in core. Vander Kane is there, and I don't want to make him out to be the problem, but generally speaking, if things aren't going well and he's not happy, it has not been a rosy solution to to things. And I don't want to put that all on Kane. I think that's a motivated guy who wants to win and doesn't like the way things are going there. He made the comment, I don't know if you heard about, or yeah, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and he got in the fight saying, ah, I wasn't playing. So I figured I'd go fight somebody, do something yeah. out here. It is just, it feels very dysfunctional from the outside looking in. And I bet inside it feels even more so. It'll be interesting to see if McDavid does push himself to play in the Heritage Classic this weekend um, and whether he puts it on himself to single-handedly turn this thing around. Because I think Zach Hyman had a pretty indicative quote as well. I mean, we heard from Darnell Nurse, mm-hmm. but Zach Hyman's like, yeah, we're, hey, okay, we're trying to play better defense and get good goaltending, but we're we're a team that puts the puck in the back of the net. Uh, we scored no goals. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. How about we score a little bit? Uh, they are missing the the best offensive player in the NHL right now, and we'll see if he pushes himself to come back and whether we see Connor McDavid take his game to another level like we've seen at times during the postseason. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to see that. Quite honestly, I mean, I hope he doesn't... I mean, if he's ready to play, he's going to play. I hope he doesn't push himself for that game because it's a special one. We know players want to play in those outdoor games, but mm-hmm. I am just such a believer in seasons from hell mm-hmm. and... If, you, if, I, if I cared about the Oilers, I could envision a scenario where Connor McDavid pushes himself to come back in that game and then makes it so much worse, and then it really is the season from hell. Yeah. Uh, but Dreisaitl will get his 50 then, and we can all <laughs> say what a good player he is, rightfully so. All right. Silver uh, linings. I mean, indications are that this is the season from hell for the Edmonton Oilers. They've had a few over the years. All right. When we come back, World Series starts tonight. It's a, a hater's dream. Uh, as you got boy, is it is Joey Votto <laughs> throwing out the first pitch? Is that why you're telling me this? Oh. Rangers Diamondbacks game one tonight on Sportsnet. We'll uh, preview it uh, when we come back as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Be a whole lot better. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The JD Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 5.9, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. A maximum of seven baseball games remain. Uh, sorry, I just have to, uh, we're open with each other. That was a mm-hmm. weird start. All right. All right. It sounded like, you know what that felt like? What? I've never been in your house at all, let alone while your child rearing. But that sounded like there were some shenanigans happening and you came in to just cool, cool all things. Right. All, all, right. all right. Refocus. All right. Okay. That's enough. Shirts on. Back to the task at hand. Yeah. This is what it did feel like. I'm just saying, you're, you're a dad. You're well, great at it. I'm trying to be better. And you're, I mean, you're literally twice the dad I am. So. I, yeah, I have to twice the work. And I don't, that part I'm not willing to bet. I think my child's more work than anybody, even Maybe. a family with 15 kids. Well, I mean, that was of kind of the strategy in having two, that they would kind of, at a certain point, raise, one another. Yeah, raise each other. Okay. There is, boy, it is great because they're at an age where you can be like, all right, all the electronics are off and just go play. Go do something or else we're selling all your toys. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm going to have to play with it. Oh, yeah, I know. Hey, this, you should it's get fun. back in the lab there. Create another human. Mm, I'm good. <laughs> all right. The lab, I enjoy the second child. Yeah. All right, just go back in the lab. Done. <laughs> Honey? 
Ben asked for it. <laughs> That's going to be a really awkward conversation today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Anyways, <laughs> World Series game one tonight, 8 o'clock on Sportsnet. Diamondbacks, Rangers. We're going to talk to Adnan Verk, who's in Texas, getting set for uh, this series. I, I, I mentioned that it, this is like the hater's delight. Boy, is it. Some people like to hate watch things. I... I find myself liking that too. I, I I do fight against it. I don't want to be Mr. Schadenfreude. I, mm. I like to just take pleasure in in good things, not take pleasure in other people's misery. Okay. But I do get it from this perspective that if you had in your mind that giving up Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel mm-hmm. Jr. at the beginning of the season was the incorrect course of yes. action and only... Has you've only been more emboldened mm-hmm. in your take throughout the course of the season. This is, I mean, it is your World Series, but this is <laughs> this is your crowning achievement. This is, I, and I get it. Shai Davidi wrote a, a great article on Sportsnet.ca FAQ talking about whether or not this is the worst trade of all time. And, and there's there are factually more years of this to come mm-hmm. for it to play out. And he rightly points out the Michael Young for Esteban Loaiza trade as being yep. the worst because of how great Michael Young was as a Texas Ranger. But at last check, Michael Young didn't win a World Series, okay? Mm-hmm. If those guys, Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., are hoisting the commissioner's trophy over their head in a week and a half, I'm sorry. D- despite all the numbers arguments you can make for me, it has to be, if not number one, Top two worst trades in franchise history. It doesn't matter what happens. They could go over in a four-game sweep, and it's already the worst trade in franchise history. Lourdes, to a, to a much different extent, let's just talk about Moreno. He has already accomplished more in the playoffs than every single Blue Jay on the roster has Combined, it is entirely possible. I mean, they have George Springer. Okay, as a Jay, I'm gonna throw okay. in the caveat yeah. there. Okay, fair. As a Blue Jay, he has yes. accomplished more than anybody on that team is. I think there's a lot of people right now that said, if you add up Bowen Vladdy's numbers, would they look like his playoffs? They'd take it right now because guess what? That means that Bowen Vladdy would have won a series mm. at some point in time. They, his control. I understand he's already been under team control, but there are still years beyond this of team control where he is going to be this guy is and I understand you as perform- there is for Dalton Varsho as there is for Dalton Varsho what has he proven at an older age as a more experienced ball player with more but still a very young baseball player is he as young as Gabriel Moreno no no uh I will say it, it's bad like no but nobody's defending the trade right now but it's one thing to have this incredible run go through just and no question the, the Diamondbacks are better than their 84 wins would indicate, but they are. There's an element of them going on this insane run that nobody could have predicted, right? Of like, course. They're ge- they're getting unreal performances from guys that are performing well above their, their career norms. And, in fact, they have, like, a couple of good starters that have not been that great. Like, Zach Gallon's an all-star for them, mm-hmm. and he's not pitched like it no. in this postseason. But it's one thing to just go through this incredible run. And, like you say, say they lose in four straight to the Rangers – I do think it's a different conversation. It's just, yeah, are you excited as a Diamondbacks fan to have Gabriel Moreno for the next half decade? Of course. It's a different deal than him winning a World Series. I'm sorry. It is. If he wins a World Series and is a key cog 
in that, right? That's the you, you get when we talk about the five year grace periods yeah, you yeah. get with with organizations. You do that, it's already a success. Like it's there's there's no there is no counter argument to them winning the biggest prize in mm -hmm. the sport in year one. If they don't win, not that you you won't be able to raise the argument. Well, they already made a World Series, but it it does get a little bit forgotten to history if they do not win against the Texas Rangers. It gets forgotten to history when they're having this conversation on high heat and Mad Dog Russo's doing it in his bikini saying I'm a loser or whatever the sign he's going to have on says. It gets lost in that conversation. This run is never going to get lost here mm -hmm. having the Dalton Varsho conversation unless, and I'm not ruling this out as a complete zero-sum chance, unless Dalton Varshaw has a run like this. And it's not just he's a nice contributor and Bo and Vladdy are carrying the mail. It's, you need, and, you know, I realize it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but it's like, you need the Dalton Varshaw game where he guns a guy out from center field or makes some incredible play and goes two for two with a couple of walks and a homer and the game-winning knock. It is just such a body of work that that guy has put in in one playoff run. And for Varshaw to like what would he have to do for it to forget about not the worst trade ever for it to be a trade worth making for the Jays uh well he'd have to perform offensively like he did in Arizona which is not out of the realm of possibility but he looked like one of the worst offensive players in baseball um worst everyday players in baseball as a Blue Jay most of that was at home as well but I, I okay let me put it this way sure if the Arizona Diamondbacks lose the World Series to the Texas Rangers. I think we go back to comparing season stats between the Diamondbacks and the Blue Jays and Gabriel Moreno and Dalton Varsho. But all next we ever season. talk about is the playoffs mattering. Yeah, I get it. But like, if they win the World Series, it doesn't matter. Like, their next season, we're not doing that because it's oh, who cares? We right. can already point to the thing that everybody's trying to do, which is win a World yep. Series, which cements your legacy for forever. Totally. That that it it is going to be irrelevant. The the rest of their team control tenures, Gabriel Moreno in Arizona and Dalton Varsho in Toronto. If they do not win a World Series, it's a little bit more of a normal conversation. Then we can go back to okay, well, you know, Mark Shapiro was maybe right. Let's let's let this thing play out, and maybe it gets worse. Like maybe, but yeah, like there's a little more breathing room. Let's let it. Play out. Maybe that was just an incredible run of, of time for for Gabriel Moreno and this Arizona Diamondbacks. Like, what if the Arizona Diamondbacks miss the playoffs next year? Not out of the realm of possibility. No, not remotely. They, they play in a division with the Dodgers, who might end up with Shohei Otani yep. and the Giants and yep. the Padres totally. and all that talent. Like, it's they and they only won eighty four games this year. What if they miss the playoffs next year? The Blue Jays are in the playoffs and Dalton Varsho. I don't think anybody expects him to be like an MVP candidate. What if he's like a league average offensive player, which is the guy they thought they were getting and playing. Elite level defense in now center field instead of left field. And yeah, it's a little bit more of a normal conversation. That's the normal conversation that can take place if the Diamondbacks do not win the World Series. If they win the World Series, that conversation does not happen because you will have the trump card forever. And especially if he's like factors into a World Series victory and God forbid wins a World Series MVP. Who cares? Like flags fly forever. Yep. They won a World Series. I think that... I just, I disagree. I think that people will always point to that in this market until, and this is the part that I think is fair to mention, that, yeah, the you want Varsho to be a key cog, and he needs to perform better than he performed this year. 
if the scenario you lay out, and again, very possible, Diamondbacks, let's say they lose the World Series, they miss the playoffs next year, the Blue Jays are in, and Dalton Varsho has a fine year. He's your seven-hitter, and he's given you gold-glove defense in center field, and the Blue Jays lose in the playoffs. Again, it's not going to matter that the Diamondbacks didn't make it. It's not going to matter. The Jays need to go on a run of consequence to a CS or a World Series with Dalton Varsho playing I don't want to overstate it. No, he doesn't need to be your team MVP, but he needs to be an important part for this trade now to, I think for a lot of people. And I think it's right to feel that way. Quite honestly, I I think that just the fact of the team and it'd be different if the Jays had got to a CS or something with this group or one a game. I think people feel a little differently. They scored about it. a run though. Uh, again, congrats. <laughs> it's great. Scored a run. That was very cool. Yeah. Honestly, how did they score that one? I, it's it's a while ago now. Do you remember how they scored the one run in the series against a great the question. Minnesota Twins? I don't. I, wanna, I don't I, either. Gun to my head, I want to say sack fly, but that doesn't feel no, right. No, I think it was an it RBI feels like base it was a hit. knock. Yeah, someone had a knock. I, uh, honestly, uh, Jeff has a party wearing his Blue Jays hat on the other side of the glass. Can you remember how the Blue Jays scored their, their one run? No, you no can't chance. remember it. Uh, we should ask the, Josh. He'll no, know. I, no, no chance. No, <laughs> they scored a run in game one of that series against the Minnesota Twins. Uh, and I can't for the life of me remember how they scored that run. All right. The other side of things, uh, and we'll get into it like a little more in-depth uh, preview of the series with Adnan Verk again, who's in Texas later on in the mm-hmm. program. This Rangers team like underratedly cursey. Like that, that franchise oh, yeah. has never won a World Series in its franchise's history. We're, t- we're one strike away twice in that 2011 World Series in Game 6 against the St. Louis Cardinals. There were one fly ball that went over the head of Nelson Cruz yep. away from winning the World Series. They were one insane seventh inning away <laughs> in Game 5 against the Blue Jays from advancing mm-hmm. to the American League Championship Series in 2015. If they lose to an 84-win Diamondbacks team in the World Series after winning 90 games, after and they're no juggernaut either, but like talent for talent, the superior team, if they lose this World Series, boy, they're 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 getting up there. Like they're like the Cleveland Browns are looking over their shoulder. Uh the Cleveland Guardians, Guardians are looking over their shoulder. And here come the Texas Rangers. I mean, they're in a World Series, which is something. But yeah, if you lose to this Diamondbacks team, which won 84 games during the regular season, that and now you have a home field advantage, that'd be uh, quite a thing. Yeah, it's not what you want. Uh just quick Googling. Uh Kevin Kiermeyer with the RBI, and I do remember it now that I'm saying it. He hit a single in the center field, I feel like. Still it's still not ringing a bell. Okay. I'm just telling you that is what happened. <laughs> Honestly, and it was Kevin Kiermeyer. I'm just dead serious. Can I can't remember. Did you just close your eyes, you can't picture it. <laughs> no. I want to say it was first and third. <laughs> That's my recollection of it. First and third. Uh, it was a two-out hit. Sounds about right. And <laughs> I'm trying to speak it into existence. Okay. Okay. The point it, you make you stands. Say. The point you make stands. <laughs> if the Texas Rangers lose two of all teams, this team, 84 yeah. wins, and we're already putting them out of the playoffs next year because they're frauds, and I can't believe they're here. Uh, mm-hmm. Mad Dog, you're not alone in thinking this. Yeah, it'd be. It would be an incredibly. It'd be an incredibly sharp wound that this team would deal with after having so many. I mean, the David Freeze one is always going to be the one that jumps out just like for my my vintage there. But yeah, it's the age-old question, right? Like, would you rather be the Leafs and just forever tortured and never know the highs or would you rather be that? And uh, the answer is no. You'd, just, you'd rather win once. That'd be nice. <laughs> 
It, it would be for, for Rangers fans. All right, game one tonight after 8 o'clock on a Sportsnet. Time now for The Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Week eight in the NFL. Dallas Cowboys hosting the Los Angeles Rams. Cowboys coming off thereby, and the Rams uh, lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cowboys at home, the public team that they are, favored mm-hmm. by 6.5, the total 45.5. So Cowboys are this super public team, so the number is usually inflated. But how about this? They're on a 6-1 and one against the spread yeah. run as a favorite and an 8-2 and two against the spread run at home. That being said, I, I like that to end. Like this Rams mm. team, we expected to be one of the worst in the NFL. They're certainly not that. Puka Nakua is like the breakout star of this NFL season. This will Matthew shock you. Stafford. I just call him Puka. Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> that I don't. one's easier. Yeah, but I just say Than Ryakovic. But anyways, um, the Rams are like really good and stuff and have a really capable quarterback who's won a Super Bowl. I I, I like the points on, on the road for the Rams in this one. Yeah, I am. I'm going to go the other way on this. I think Dallas is going to cover. I love the idea of a team that has just found a way to win by a slightly bigger margin than they've been asked to. To me, that is a is indicative of a team that is a, is a team that knows how to take care of their business. And I think that I've been kind of saying this all along about the Cowboys. They are the really good mediocre team. I'm not going to say they're the good bad team. And I think they're just a, a, a I won't say head and shoulders, but clearly above the Rams. And I expect them to win. Uh, you know, pretty handily as well. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll go the other way on that one. I like the uh, the Cowboys there. I I think the Minnesota Vikings are head and shoulders better than the Green Bay Packers, and mm-hmm. Lambeau Field ain't Lambeau Field anymore. Nope. Like it is not since Mike Vick <laughs> won in the playoffs many yeah. moons ago. Well, and especially when you got Jordan Love as your quarterback, mm-hmm. which is like I think the Packers are going to be back into the mix as far as trying to acquire quarterbacks this off season. Um, I don't think Jordan Love is it. Uh, and the Vikings have gotten themselves off the mat after mm-hmm. we were all laughing because they went 11 and 0 last season in one score games and they started what the season 0 and 3 in one score games. Yep. They are one and a half point favorites on the road at Lambeau. But again, like home field advantage, like you just look at the way these two teams have played this season mm-hmm. and, and the Vikings, like how they, they're coming into their own. And okay, is, is Kirk Cousins a threat if they get to the postseason? Probably not, but they're still alive in that division. They have those two Lions games. In the final three weeks of the season, I, I like the Vikings on a short line on the road. Yeah, I am. I am wholly with you there. I, I completely agree with the way you see that game. It's just one team is ascending ish, and the other team is is in a complete stasis in the Packers. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, I'll throw one at you here. Normally, I stay all the way away from big spreads. Mm-hmm. Dolphins minus nine and a half at home against the Patriots. Normally, you would think this is a game to get right. Patriots feeling themselves a little bit. Tyreek Hill is healthy. They're going to put up a kajillion on the Patriots, reassert themselves in that division. Normally, this is a stay away with lines that big, but I feel really confident about the Dolphins. I I see. I go the other way. Like the Dolphins against like even half decent defenses have not looked like that Dolphins team. Yeah, they can put up 70 points against the Broncos and they can put up a trillion points against the Chargers. Um, and, and we're, we're not talking about like the steel curtain defense of the, mm-hmm. the, the Steelers in the past with the Patriots, but they're a capable defensive team. I just, I think that's too many points for, for a team that doesn't look like the offensive juggernaut that they've looked like against 
good teams. Like when they play half yeah. decent defenses, that's not the same Dolphins offense. That's fair. Uh, Patriots defense has just been so Jekyll and Hyde. I yeah. just see a letdown coming after basically winning their Super Bowl last week against the Bills. It's true. And those divisional affairs as well, mm-hmm. usually uh, kind of close. All right. Uh, lastly, the Toronto Raptors playing their second game of the season on the road against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the Bulls, it only took one game for the Bulls to have a players only meeting. Uh, Great. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, we know how this rivalry has generally ended up, including the play-in tournament game mm-hmm. where the Raptors lost. Uh, the Bulls, two-and-a-half-point favorites, so the Raptors uh, plus two-and-a-half on the road. Uh, they were underdogs in the first game of the season as well against Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I like the Bulls on a get-right here. Mm. I like the under on another rock fight. Yeah. 217, <laughs> we could not have been safer when we oh, took the yeah. under on uh, on Raptors Timberwolves to start things off. So, yeah, that's my lean there uh, is the under minus 105. It's uh, even the uh, this slightly, you got to pay slightly less than you would for the over there. So, 217.5 is the number. I love Give me that. the under. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. All right, that was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, We'll get back into the Toronto Maple Leafs and Tyler Bertuzzi scoring a goal on the power play. Uh, Head coach liked what he saw through 60 minutes for his uh, left winger. Uh, And we'll also talk to Adnan Verk, who is in Texas getting set for game one of the World Series. He joins us next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.